Play fake. Beathard sets up deep in the pocket. Goes down the field for Smith. Ah! He got it! Smith! Touchdown! 85 yards! Iowa! 56-yarder. It's got, no, does not have the leg. And Chris Davis takes it in the back of the end zone. He'll run it out to the 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. Don't miss a thing from the world of college football. Stay right here for College Gridiron on WFUV Sports. What is going on, everyone? I am Danny Scott, per usual, joined by my buddy Tyler Who, and we got Ken and Troy in the house today. Guys, this is one of the best weeks of college football I've seen in my entire lifetime. My 22 years on this earth, this is one of the best slates I've ever seen. Before we get into this wild slate and some pretty good games from last week, how you boys doing today? I'm doing amazing, Danny. I'm glad to be back here, as always. I mean, this is one of the, yeah, as you said, one of the best slates we've ever had, honestly. And how could you miss College Gridiron? It's a Friday, the week's off, to, you know, the weekend's off to a strong start. We got playoff baseball, we got college football, everything's going right right now. And we got Keenan back on the show, seeing his Tennessee volunteers at the best spot they've been all season. So it's never a better time. Boys, what up? Good to be back. Um, I've missed it. You know, I was on earlier this college football year i've been busy in between that doing some other stuff for the radio but you know still lend an ear to whenever you guys drop a pod just because you know talking college football is fun talking college football with your buddies is even more fun so i'm honored to be back great weekend last weekend and i think this year in college football and we'll get into it you know each weekend it seems like there's been a game that we can't take our eyes off of or multiple games and I don't think this upcoming weekend's weekend's going to be an exception to that rule so I'm really excited to break it down definitely not be an exception to that rule there are multiple multiple top 10 games top Mm -hmm. 25 games it's going to be crazy but let's talk about last week for a little bit I think the game that I know Tyler and I were probably looking forward to the most I don't know as much with you, Keenan, considering you weren't on last week, but that's number 17, 17 TCU over number 19, Kansas, 38-31. And this was just a great all-around game. Two teams that going into the year had very, very low expectations, mm-hmm. both going into this game undefeated, both going into this game ranked, and the Horn Frogs are able to pull this one off. Yeah, it was an unbelievable game. It went down to the wire, literally to the last minutes, and... um. Really gutsy performance with Kansas. They didn't even drop in the rankings after losing. So props to Kansas. They played an amazing game. Lost Jalen Daniels, their quarterback, early on. And Jason Bean came in and played an amazing game. He went toe-to-toe with Max Duggan, who's one of the best quarterbacks in the Big 12. That's an impressive performance. To beat, you don't get starter reps all season. You're taking reps with the backups in practice. You get thrust into a huge game. College game day is there. Nationally televised, 12 o'clock. Pat McAfee is Pat McAfee's in the house. Yep, he's picking Kansas massive, massive game, and that's a really gutsy performance. TCU is an amazing football team. Um, They're red hot. They got another great matchup we're going to talk about later today in the show. But great performance by TCU, obviously. Max Duggan's a stud. Uh, Does it with his arm, does it with his legs. And, um, yeah, I mean, that was probably one of the best games, probably the best game last week, I'd say. Yeah, I think – the two storylines were the were, were the quarterback play. Duggan obviously holding his own, and then Jalen Daniels going down in that late of the first half. 
I personally saw when I saw that injury, I thought it was wraps just because yeah. TCU looked dominant that entire first half. We're up ten nothing. Kansas gets a late field goal, but without Daniels coming back onto the field in the second half, I was really expecting TCU to just take this game and you know probably get up another score, and then that would be it. But then Jason Bean comes off the bench. He plays really well for this Kansas Jayhawks team. And, you know, I thought going into this game, there's a lot of buzz around Kansas solely because they're 5-0 and for the first time in their football program history or for the first time in a while. And I was worried that, you know, TCU obviously, as Danny, you said, low expectations, but a TCU football program that perennially is kind of in that who's who of the Big 12, you know, five weeks in as they are this year, but, you know, with slightly a better pedigree. But I was really expecting Kansas to roll over, and especially with Bean taking the rock in the second half, I didn't expect to see that kind of a performance that, Tyler, as you said, went down to the wire, and, you know, it ended up only being decided by one score, which, given the injury to Daniels in that game, I think is a win for that Kansas Jayhawks football program. Yeah, and TCU's TCU is one of those kind of weird schools yeah. where they have a, a very good team, you know, once every 10, once every 20 years. The last time was when Andy Dalton was there. They had that undefeated season. They claimed mm-hmm. they were the national champions, blah, blah, blah. But this TCU team has really impressed me. Um, Ryan Gregoire actually has a very, very close friend that I have met. Shout out Nick. Uh, I'm sure he's not listening, but I'll send him this audio. He goes to TCU, and we text about TCU every single weekend as soon as the Horn Frogs win. Um, yeah. But this was a very, very gutsy game, I think, from both sides. I think Kansas actually proved to me that they're a decent football team. And I think TCU, this is thus far their signature win on the year. Um, Quinton Johnston had an outstanding game, yeah, 14 receptions. Two hundred and six yards and the game winning touchdown, not just a touchdown, the game winner. Uh TCU just you know, they don't like they're not eye popping. They don't they wow play good you. football. They're but well they, coached. They're very, very well coached yeah. and they play good football. And yeah. that's about all you can ask for from a Big Twelve team. I was gonna say the hiring of Sonny Dykes from SMU last year. We were you remember how big I was on SMU football last yes. year? explosive offense they they know how to play big games tcu got them as their head coach and look at it's paid wonders so it's really good to see tcu back on like back around the top of the big 12 um they've played amazing and they've given me no reason to think they're frauds they're an unbelievable program right now and for a down year with oklahoma as we're going to get into their matchup this weekend Mm -hmm. i think it's good that tcu's kind of asserted itself into a place in the big 12 if not nothing else for our viewing pleasure that you know we're not just watching Oklahoma State, and that's the end of our Big 12 conversations. Yeah, They've definitely proved themselves to be a team that when they play Oklahoma State, it's going to be a matchup and, you know, a game that we can expect them not to roll over. And, you know, we've seen this offense dominate through five weeks of college football. It'll be interesting to see how that Big 12 shakes out, you know, come bowl season. Yeah, the, the Big 12 is a very interesting conference right now. they got a bunch of ranked teams. Uh, and then they got some teams that we really expected to be good this year. Like Baylor. Baylor, who I am still very upset about losing last night to mm-hmm. uh, West Virginia. Um, but Baylor and Oklahoma were two of those teams, you know, last year the Big 12 champion, and Oklahoma has this pedigree of making the college football playoff, winning the Big 12 year in, year out. However, two of the top teams in this conference are very, very bad this year, which yeah, is shocking. Yeah, they're both unranked, which is like not what you expect. And not, Kansas being like, excuse me, sorry for interrupting, but like Kansas is usually toward the bottom, toward the, their stellar dwellers. 
they're five and one, and they were ranked. They made it on College Game Day, and they're still top twenty. It's impressive. They're they are a very very good team. But shifting over to a different conference, how about UCLA boys? <sighs> Number eighteen UCLA kind of not. I wouldn't necessarily say takes it to. Number 11, Utah, but a definite dominant win, 42-32 for the Bruins. And this essentially eliminates all of Utah's hopes mm-hmm. um, as making the playoff this year. And, Tyler, you and I were very, very in on Utah to start yeah. the year uh, after watching them dismantle a couple teams, go toe-to-toe with Ohio State in that Rose Bowl last year. Still the best college football game I've ever watched. This UCLA team, are they legit? I think... Their offense can go to toe to toe with anybody. With that, uh, with that quarterback running back duo of DTR, Dorian Thompson, Robinson, and Zach Charbonnet, probably one of the best duos in college football. They can go toe to toe with anybody if they establish themselves. I don't know how legit their defense is. I don't think they're like a playoff contender legit, but they're a New York Six Bowl type of team. You know, I really do like what they're building over there at UCLA. I think it'll be very, very interesting, and, and we'll talk about USC a little later on. Um, but it'll be very, very interesting when you get that all LA bowl between mm-hmm. USC and UCLA. That's really going to decide who wins this Pac-12. Right, especially with uh, like UCLA not usually being a football school. This is like one of their first times being really good in a while. USC's back to the prominence a little bit more, so that you know that game's going to be must-watch at the end of the year. Yeah, and I th- I think you know with this UCLA offense, Chip Kelly back in the saddle, you know. We can forget his tenure with the Eagles, but mm-hmm. with he's, the Niners, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a, little, a little rough time. He's not built for the NFL. He's not an NFL, but he, he's built. I don't want to say a culture at UCLA, but it seems that with you know Thompson Robinson, you know he's in hopefully his last year of college yeah, he's football. You're like twelve now. Yeah, right. He's been there for so long. It finally seems that the pieces around him are starting to click, and you know. Utah's just another check on, you know, another box to check for UCLA is, you know, we talk about the Big 12 being a little weak, Pac-12's weak without, with the exception of these two teams playing out of Los Angeles. So that's a marquee win for UCLA. And now, if I'm Chip Kelly, you just got to be preaching consistency to USC. Mm-hmm. You know, this type of performance against a good Utah team, even though they, you know, haven't proven it in terms of being you know, a top five caliber team, still a good team in the big, tw- uh, the Pac-12, excuse me. So if I'm UCLA and Chip Kelly, just got to have these con- same consistent performances where we're dominant on the ground and then, you know, hopefully we're in a spot where we can play USC and, you know, a win there maybe gets you a bid. Absolutely. And, and I think, you know, if you look at Chip Kelly's tenure with UCLA, they started off really rough. However, mm-hmm. now we're starting to get to the point with these guys are, are his recruits. They've been in the system for a couple of years. What do you take over, 2019? Yeah. I uh, believe so. Yeah, I, I, believe, I believe he's in year number three or four right now. Mm-hmm. He's got his guys in that system, and they're starting to really win games. So it was the same thing with Oregon when you know he's there. You get Mariota. You get Mariota Heisman. This team is really, really starting to take off, and I think UCLA is really, really built for you know, maybe that transfer over to the Big Ten that's going to happen in a couple years. Chip Kelly is proving why it's not that crazy that UCLA and USC both are transferring over. I think Chip Kelly is a phenomenal college coach. 
He's a great football coach, not really built for the NFL. You talk about the Eagles. I saw it firsthand with my Niners. However, as a college coach, one of the best in the business. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Such a, such a smart play caller in terms of college. He knows how to utilize the spread, utilize his guys to their strengths. Dorian Thompson-Robinson, shades of Marcus Mariota, dual-threat quarterback. Zach Charbonnet, extremely explosive running back. It's a good fit. It's a good fit. Definitely Chip Kelly's a perfect fit for UCLA. they got a little bye week coming up this week. They don't got to play, but then they get Oregon next week. Another ranked matchup. I'm really excited to see where that one goes from here on out. And then they got a couple, you know, quiet sleeper games, and then USC toward the end of the year. I'm really excited to see where this UCLA program goes. And now uh, talking about maybe my least favorite coach in all of college football, and thank God he got his doors blown off. Number eight Tennessee just destroys number twenty-five LSU, forty to thirteen. And I'm gonna let Keenan uh, take this one because he is our resident uh, Tennessee fan from Chicago, Illinois, <laughs> Northwest Indiana. And you know I'm not cheering for the Hoosiers. So yeah, that game against LSU, in my opinion, perfect tune-up for this weekend against Bama. We're gonna tackle that game in a little bit, boys. But just absolutely dominant. In all phases, you know, muff, you know, special teams, mm-hmm. muff punt recovery, hooker. I think he deserves to be in a Heisman conversation. Absolutely. You know, 239, 17 for 27, two TDs. Jabari Small is a beast. He goes for 125 on the ground. And then with a not to, de- I won't say depleted receiving core, but, you know, still missing some big names. Jalen Hyatt really stepping up. Brew McCoy coming out of that slot was a mismatch for LSU all year. And, you know, thank God corny Brian Kelly's exposed for, you know, not having what it takes because this is might ruffle Danny's feathers, but ND did have a good win against a ranked BYU team. Mm -hmm. But all his years at Notre Dame gave him this fictitious pedigree that he was one of the best coaches in college football because he played Marshall and USF and the Air Force Academy. You know, he had cupcakes on that schedule. Now that he's in the— Marshall's not a cupcake. Yeah, we know that this year especially. (laughs) They they haven't won a game since knocking off ND. Anyway, I continue that. Brian Kelly's exposed, as a at least in his first year at LSU, is this LSU team, you know, what you can say about them is they weren't constructed, or maybe it's going to take Brian Kelly a couple years to get his guys in there, but— this is a team that faces a juggernaut of a schedule in the SEC, and Brian Kelly, to this point, doesn't look up to the task. So, big win for Tennessee, really important tune-up win. You know, they've got Bama at home this weekend. Nealon will be rocking tomorrow. But to go into the Bayou, take care of business against LSU, you know, that game was over before halftime. Really impressive from Tennessee. And now, I think the biggest thing from their win and dismantling of LSU is everyone's looking at them from the national spotlight saying, whoa, this Tennessee team is special, and whether Bryce Young plays or not tomorrow, which we will get into, they might take down the Crimson Tide. I'm really excited for that game. But first of all, you can fake a Southern accent. You can fake all the the hoorah, but you cannot fake culture. You cannot fake how to win in the SEC. And Brian Kelly learned that the hard way within the first two possessions. You said the game was over by halftime. I think the game was over by the second possession after that muff punt and the given up touchdown. LSU just looked deflated. They looked like a team that just did not belong on the same stage as a Tennessee team that looks very, very legit. They've gotten a couple of quality wins, back-to-back ranked wins. They they look like one of the best teams in college football, and rightfully so, Keenan hopped on the bandwagon at the right time. I mean— I bought stock, by the way, 
in June. I did not expect this. Guy's a millionaire now. Look at this. But um, this that, that was uh, Keenan. Keenan can attest to this. That was me and Tommy McHugh. Shout out Tommy, freshman year with LSU. So yeah. automatic with that call. I can't lie. Like that's an unbelievable call by Keenan, Tommy, and Danny. Um, Tennessee just is the better. Te- they were the better team from like the the minute the ball got snapped. Put up the early thirteen in the first quarter, and they. Oh, the only quarter they lost is the fourth quarter, but they were up by 27 at that point. Who cares? This is the better team. They ran the ball well. They passed the ball well. Um, made Jaden Daniels' life harder. Um, forced a couple turnovers, I believe. Yeah, forced two turnovers. Yeah, that was a perfect tune-up game. On the road at Death Valley, which was basically silent by the end of the first quarter. People um, were heading for the exits, like exactly. halfway through the third quarter. The, it was it – was, Silent for the whole game, pretty much. Tennessee ripped the hearts out of LSU. This is a very good Tennessee team, and I'm really excited for this weekend, how they play against this great Alabama team that's been struggling a little bit recently. They could easily win that game. But, um, yeah, LSU, obviously, you on the road, one of the toughest environments, as I said, they ripped the heart out of LSU. I want to see how they do it at home with the crowd behind them at Nayland Stadium, which is one of the better, uh, better atmospheres in college football as well. This Tennessee team could easily be a playoff team when it's all said and done. I couldn't agree with you more. I think this Tennessee team right now is kind of built for success, and that's uh, head-pointed by Hendon Hooker, who I completely agree with you, Keenan. I think he should be in the Heisman conversation, and I think he's starting to get that recognition. Um, Very efficient last week, 17 for 27, 239 yards, two touchdowns, and that's – an all right game, but the efficiency that he did it in and also rushing for 56 yards, mm-hmm. he is, uh, and I said this last week, and I'm going to bring it back up again, Hendon Hooker is what Tyler thought Anthony Richardson uh, was yep, going to be. Yep. And he has been balling out for a very, very good Tennessee team that I think up and down their roster is, is very, very good. And this is a team, we'll talk about them more, but they are really, really right on that cusp of contention. And this could be a game that really sets them off into that national spotlight where a lot of Tennessee fans thought they had always been but haven't just got that signature win. And they have a very, very big chance to do that this week against Alabama. But let's do a a couple little quick fire-offs. We'll start with Alabama, actually. And if it wasn't for a bad play call, Alabama goes down. Last week, they barely edge out Texas A&M 24 to 20. And Tyler, you and I had talked a lot about early on in the year where we thought, you know, Texas A&M is still a good football team. They still got Jimbo Fisher, but I think they're way overrated from where they were. I believe we still had them in our top 10, but that's just going right. off of last year's stuff. But we both kind of saw the writing on the wall with this team and they had a very, very, very real chance to knock off Alabama for the second time in two years, just unable to get it done after a bad play call on the goal line. Yeah, absolutely. Especially with how much, if you remember SEC Media Day, how much tension Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban built up over that. They were just trash-talking each other. Um, really anticip- like building up this matchup. Texas A&M was supposed to be still ranked in the top 10. Alabama was supposed to be near the top or at the top. And this matchup, Ended up being a good one. I mean, Alabama was obviously, they looked bad the whole game pretty much. 
Jalen Milrow stepping in for Bryce Young, who's hurt. He hurt his throwing shoulder still. Probably, I think, a game-time decision. I'm not sure where he's at. I was checking that earlier. We'll talk. We'll yeah, talk. we'll talk about that later. But Milrow only threw it for 111 yards, threw three touchdowns, but also threw a pick. Jameer Gibbs is a stud. They're running back. Another stud Alabama running back. Kind of looks plays like Alvin Kamara, if we're being honest. But, yeah, this this Alabama team is starting to look a little flawed. They've, they haven't looked good for a couple weeks. The same, remember the same concerns we had about Georgia a couple weeks ago? Bama has, you know, they, they've looked a little shaky. Bama has entered the chat. Exactly. They've entered the chat. There's a reason why they fell down to three, which we'll talk about in a minute. But Bama, they shouldn't have won this game. Um, if not for a bad play called by Texas A&M on the goal line that resulted in, I believe, a turnover. Um Texas A&M is the victors. Alabama falls out of the top four, probably, and that's a, this is probably, very concerning. Definitely, well, definitely. Yeah. this is very concerning for Bama, especially coming up on Tennessee. I'm a little worried about Bama. I got nothing, boys. I think everybody in the world of college football knew Texas A&M should have won this game, and they had the chance to win this game. And for a really lackluster season for Jimbo Fisher and the Aggies, after all this offseason, you know, hype that he was building, and you know. Tyler, you you pointed to it, you know, him going right at Saban on SEC Media Day. You're 3-3, three and three, and, you know, maybe a saving grace for this season, you know, even if you're 4-2 and two, is that you took down Bama and you could lose every other game and finish 4-whatever, and whatever, but beating Bama is the marquee win, and, you know, Jimbo Fisher can point to that and say there's a culture here, but, you know, losing in the way you did in a game that you should have won emphasizes how much more work needs to be done for the Aggies because they are just non-competitive right now and transitioning to another game a guy that I know Tyler absolutely despises and a guy that I really like but he wasn't playing this one number 13 Kentucky drops this one to unranked South Carolina 24-14 and Spencer Rattler did not book anything special but this Kentucky team was a team that two weeks ago we were talking are they national championship contenders? Are they bound for the playoffs? What can this team do? Right now, they drop all the way down into the 20s. This team has dropped two straight. It's looking a little scary if you're a Kentucky fan. Yeah, they're they're. I mean, they were in the top 10 at one point. Where they, or did they get as high as 7 or 8? Something like that. Yeah, Um. they've obviously lost all of that momentum, losing to Ole Miss and now... Uh, losing to South Carolina. They got a big matchup this week against Mississippi State. But obviously, Will Levis did not play. He had a foot injury, as you said. Um, so I'm not going to take too much stock into this game. This game is probably very different with with Will Levis, even though Kaya Sharon, I don't know how to say his name, the backup quarterback, uh, played okay, I guess. Two touchdowns, one pick. But he had a 29.5 QBR. Yeah, not too like. great. Um, he, he did, I mean, he didn't look useless, but he was not great. This game is different with Will Levis. I, I don't. I, I do think they win this game with Levis, um, especially at home too. At home, exactly. This this Kentucky team was always like a step or two away. They're building the culture. They're not there yet amongst the big boys with like Tennessee, Bama, Georgia. They're a step behind, but they're still a good football team. Mark Stoop is a good coach, but you know the pressure's on them. You don't want to slip any further. You don't want to slip out of the top 25, and this week's going to be big for them. Yeah, I think with Levis in that game, it's tough to say, but he wasn't, right? So yeah. there's 10 other guys that start for that football team week in and week out on the offensive side and you know 11 on the defense that start every week. And 
just didn't get the job done, and maybe they were overlooking South Carolina. You know, just had a heartbreaker to Ole Miss, going on to take Mississippi State, and then following in that big rivalry game against Tennessee, which is, you know, Tennessee's schedule does not get easier after Alabama. For Kentucky, I think the only point of contention I had with this game is, you know, with Will Levis sitting out, can we take Kentucky seriously because they played so poorly? And, you know, often what separates the good teams from the great teams is can they get it done when their quarterback has a bad night or, you know, is doesn't show up? Like, we just said Alabama didn't deserve to win that game. They still won that game because they did everything right with the exception of, you know, maybe a couple sloppy possessions to start the game. But at the end of the day, the guys that they have on that roster not named Bryce Young are just as capable. And I think Kentucky exposed that there's a lot of holes in this lineup that maybe get overlooked because Will Levis does what he does. So I'm interested to see if Levis, he's still a game-time decision against Mississippi State. I think he's good to go. I just read that Stoop said he's good to go, pretty sure. Even so, if I was Kentucky, I would sit him and have him fresh and ready to go against Tennessee just because, let's be honest, you're not getting into a bowl with two losses. Oh, you probably Unless they beat Tennessee and then they beat Georgia, which is – highly unlikely they're probably not turning any heads with those two losses on their schedule no matter who they're against especially one being unranked South Carolina but even still I just think for a non-Will Levis Kentucky football program right now Tyler you said there's still a lot of work to be done for them to be an SEC you know up-and-coming powerhouse yeah and I don't disagree with you Um, the thing with Kentucky is Levis is their whole team he's the arguably the best quarterback in the country right now um, looking like he's going to be a top five draft pick, he's uh, he's a big big playmaker and makes guys around him better. It, you see it happen in the NFL all the time. Their quarterback goes down, they have a terrible season. I saw it 2020 with the 49ers. They're in the Super Bowl, and then Jimmy G goes down, and we play Nick freaking Mullins, and they suck. Um, but you know this Kentucky team, I still think they're a good football program, and they're on the right trajectory. And then finally, the game that I've been dying to talk about the entire time, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish beat number 16 BYU, and I Keenan can we we can have conversations about Notre Dame all we want because Keenan is from essentially South Bend, uh, very very close. And, Don't and, associate me with that garbage. And, and then I'm the and, and Notre and Dame's I, not even in South Bend; they're in Notre Dame, Indiana, for the record. <laughs> Because they're so corrupt, they don't want to pay taxes that you know generate good for the good of South Bend, Indiana. They'd rather be in their own township with their own tax code, so the university and can, their own keep, conference. can keep stuffing their own pockets. <laughs> Criminals. Classic. Well, they're still a very, very good football team, and Michael Mayer looks like arguably the best player in the country after last week. 11 receptions, 118 yards, two touchdowns. He is the second coming of George Kittle. Um, just impossible to bring down, and a great, great run defender. Uh, rushing the ball, they look great between Estime and Diggs. Estime had 97 yards, Diggs 93. This team, I think, since getting Drew Pine in, they're 3-0. and um, I think Tommy Reese just did not know how to game plan with a dual-threat quarterback. Uh, he needs one of those guys that's going to be a pocket passer, you know, find – he needs to hit the open throws and not necessarily get out of the pocket. I think Ian Book might have been an exception a couple years ago, but 
if you look at Book, what he did at Notre Dame, it was really, really just his presence in the pocket, making those short, quick-hitting throws. And Pine has been doing that since he stepped in. So you're saying Michael Mayer is the next Kittle, so he's going to disappoint my fantasy team. Perfect. I'm not drafting don't, him in the next don't couple dis- years. Do not disrespect George Kittle or Michael Mayer. I George will kick you out of this booth George right Kittle's now. one of my five favorite players in the NFL, and I expect Mayer to be really, really good in the NFL. So there's that. He played amazing. Um, back to being a top two tight end in the, in the nation alongside Brock Bowers of Georgia. Uh, top one. We'll see about that. But um, uh, Top one. Drew Pine played amazing. Um yeah, he's really uh, revitalized that Notre Dame season, I'd say. Uh, maybe with a one or two, you'll see him back in the top 25. I think if they if they win this week, there's going to be a couple teams that are probably going to drop out. They play Stanford, oh, okay. and, and that should be an easy win. But, however, they, got, they play yeah. Clemson the next week, so I think the AP is going to want to hype that. Well, they play Syracuse and Clemson. Well, they got Syrac- a couple weeks you, before They that. play Clemson November 5th. So. Yeah, oh, UNLV, then, yeah. then Syracuse and Clemson. It's all good. They, they, they got a couple, my bad, my bad. couple of good matchups. I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward. To I know you are. So don't trip up against UNLV. So there's that. But um, Notre Dame looks revitalized. I think Marcus Freeman's re-grasped the, um, the locker room, re-grasped the culture after a really bad 0-2 start. Um, Drew Pine, he looked good. I think you were hyping him, hyping him up to me a little bit, saying he's a good passer. And I was like, okay, I'll keep an eye on him. He's been pretty good. He had an amazing he, game pretty he's much. Been, he's been good, not great. Well, this game he looked amazing, besides the one pick. Yeah. He threw 22 of 28, 262 yards and three touchdowns. Pushed the ball down the field, almost 10 yards per attempt. That's impressive. That's something that I want to keep looking forward to. Um, it really expands the vertical game, I guess, and the run game was moving. So this is a good sign for Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame's back on the right track. A ranked win against BYU, which I don't think BYU is anything special, but it's still a ranked win. You got to play the guys in your schedule, and they took care of business. It's a good sign for Notre Dame. They're moving in the right direction again. Danny, they're not ranked yet, and I think we got to segue into these top twenty-five <laughs> ranking. Because I got nothing to say about Notre Dame. You guys know how much I hate them. I'd rather talk about something interesting. A couple teams making big moves in this AP Top 25 college football poll. Yeah, I mean, we can we can transition if you really want to burst my bubble. We have a <laughs> win over a ranked team. I'm excited. But, uh, yeah, let's let's talk about some, some Top 25 stuff. We'll just go th- quickly through the top ten. Georgia jumps back up to number one. Ohio State jumps over Alabama at two. Alabama drops to three. Clemson jumps over Michigan up to four. Michigan drops to five. Tennessee jumps Oklahoma State and USC up to number six. USC at seven. Oklahoma State at eight. Ole Miss nine. And Penn State ten. Um, I really have no issues with this. Uh, like in the slightest, um, Alabama did not look good, and Ohio State has been looking good since that Notre Dame game. In all honesty, um, and Georgia figured their stuff out. They absolutely dominated Auburn last week. Uh, Clemson looks good. Michigan dropping to number five. I have no issues with that. And Tennessee up to number six. I think that's a very very good spot for them. It creates a little bit more hype for this uh, game against Alabama coming up. Yeah, I think there's the clear top six teams in the nation, and the poll did it right. I think um, I don't have any problems with the poll. The top ten looks good. Looks pretty much perfect to me. Um, I haven't had any major problems with the poll so far. Obviously, the first um, actual you know CFP playoff poll hasn't come out, but so far, so good. Um, a couple of big jumps, a couple of big drop-offs. Um, BYU, Washington, and LSU fell out of the rankings. Only three teams to fall out of the rankings couple of big jumps. Uh, I think, what, 
UCLA and Mississippi State both jumped seven. That's the biggest jump this week. So, so far, nothing really to complain about. I think it's a good poll so far. Yeah, I think my only, I guess, it's hard for me because I think Clemson is the most overrated team in this country. But at the same time, they're 6-0 and with a win against a top 25 team in Wake Forest. Yes, it was a shootout, but it was a win nonetheless. And I think we've seen in the past that, and you're forgetting, you're forgetting NC State they also too. Did be NC State, NC yeah. State's garbage. They're bad. They're bad. They're gar- <laughs> They're garbage. But anyway, even still, I think we've seen in years past that the committee, and you know the AP polls, they don't like to move guys without reason. I think that's why we saw Bama get moved mm-hmm. because playing in uh, you know a pretty lousy Texas A&M team showing flaws, and you know Ohio State and Georgia cruising in their games. Those are clearly the number one and two teams in the nation. It's going to be really interesting as we're like right on the cusp of talking about this upcoming weekend, guys, to see how this top 10 is going to shake out because we've got two top 10 matchups for the first time in what seems like forever. Penn State and Michigan, Tennessee and Bama, as we've talked about, you know, that SEC matchup extensively. After this weekend, I expect major, you know, changes because if Bama wins, they deserve to be number one in the country. Absolutely. If, if Penn State wins, where do they jump, you know, because – Assuming Southern Cal takes care of business and, you know, got Oklahoma State with a test at TCU, Ole Miss probably going to handle Auburn. You know, I think that 5 through 10 range is going to see a lot of fluctuation depending on this weekend's results. There's going to be a lot of movement. this. Uh, so I'm really excited for the poll next week. It's going to be a ton of movement. And, I mean, nothing better to talk about than the <laughs> we got a lot of great games coming up, obviously, a lot of rankings. And, you know, we we're going to talk about it. You said the SEC is the strongest. There's a couple of surprisingly good conferences this year, I'd say. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think it's pretty obvious the, the SEC is at that number one spot, considering they got the number three or one, three, six, and nine teams in the country. They got four out of the top ten. Um, but looking at everyone else, where do you guys see who or who do you see as that next best conference? Is it the Big Ten? Is it the Big 12? I think the Pac-12 honestly has a little bit of an argument right now with a couple teams in that top 12. Yeah, right now um, the Big 12 has the most outside of the SEC with five ranked schools. Other Then there's three other conferences with four ranked schools. I'm going to give the Big – the Big 12 is the most balanced with like a – Good variance, I'd say. The Big Ten's very top-heavy. There's mm-hmm. three top-10 schools in the Big Ten, and then Illinois sitting at 24. So I guess the Big Ten does have the advantage. If you want to count quality over quantity, give the Big Ten the nod. If you want to count quantity over quality, give the Big 12 the nod. Uh, then I guess the ACC and the Pac-12 are distant third and fourth. Um, whichever way I you want to rank say, them. I wouldn't say the Pac-12 is a distant Well, not third. the Pac-12, the ACC definitely. The ACC is definitely uh, pretty down there. But, I mean, the Pac-12 has number 7, number 11, number 12, and, and number 20. Right? That's that's nothing to scoff at. They got a third of the top 12 teams in the – or a fourth of the top 12 teams in the nation. Um, I, I do agree with you, though, however. I would probably go the Big Ten at, at that second spot, just considering they got the number 2, the number 5, and the number 10. Those three schools are all very scary. One of those, uh, one of those three is going to be out of that top ten most likely after this weekend, unless they decide to keep Michigan around if Penn State wins. But Keenan, I'm curious what your thoughts are. I think you know you guys are right. I think Tyler, your synopsis of are you going quality or quantity? Because I think quality we see year in and year out. You know, with the exception of Ohio State being that juggernaut in the Big Ten. It feels like every year there's 
some you know matchup that gets completely overlooked and then you know maybe it's Iowa maybe it's Sparty you know maybe it's even IU who are just disappointing <laughs> um, yeah, not good putting up a fight and I think you know Penn State being ranked in the top 10 I think you know regardless of what happens against Michigan let's say they win Penn State you know watching them play they're a team that's bound to get upset by a lesser quality opponent and you know my Penn State friend fans friends that are fans excuse me that's word salad um know this all too well but I think you know we always at least I always criticize the Big 12 for not you know producing quality I think the Big 12 this year is like probably the most parity we've seen in the Big 12 in a long time maybe that comes with Oklahoma you know not being as good as they've been in the past years and everyone being so high on you know their quarterbacking play but you know Texas at 22 and you've got what three other teams ahead of them from the Big 12 all of whom seemingly can make statements you know we talked about those big 10 that was top 10 matchups coming up got 13 versus 8 TCU and Oklahoma State that's going to be a good game so I think that the Big 12 is right on the cusp of you know challenging the Big 10 for the second best conference but I think that you still go SEC Big 10 the field yeah I, I agree with you um and I do think there are some Big 12 teams that are that are right there however there hasn't been that Big 12 team that since the college football playoff has kind of been initiated outside of Oklahoma that's really really impressed me and I don't Oklahoma never won the natty they didn't so, yeah, they got killed by LSU in 2019 yes so this this Big Ten, I think you got to give them the nod just because the pedigree of the Big 12, the Ohio State, it, it's really just Ohio State. Mm-hmm. And then there's always, like, another team that's that's pretty good. Last year, Michigan. This year, Michigan again. Or Penn State, potentially. Last year, Michigan State was very good. However, I want to start talking about these games coming up because this is, like I said before the show started this is the best slate i've seen in my entire life there are so 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 many top games number 10 versus number five and sec auburn at number nine Ole miss uh ranked kansas at unranked oklahoma what do you know uh iowa state who's not awful at texas minnesota who was ranked just a couple weeks ago at number four illinois Number three, Alabama at number six, Tennessee. Number eight, Oklahoma State at 13, TCU. NC State at Syracuse. I mean, the it just goes on and on and on. But we'll start with one of these SEC matchups, uh, and that's Mississippi State at Kentucky. Not sure if Will Levis is going to play. That kind of dictates where my pick is going to go, but what are your guys' thoughts on this one? A little score prediction. I'm expecting it to be a shootout. These are two. I'm expecting Will Levis to play just based off what I just read. But um, two good quarterbacks. Uh, two Kentucky. I'm surprised their offense isn't ex- as explosive as I thought they would be. They only average like around 26 points per game. Uh, Will Levis stud. We know it. He's going to be a top 10 pick in the in the NFL draft. Top um, five. We'll see where that goes. But um, Will Rogers on the other side. Uh, product of the air raid system that Mike Leach runs every year. You know they like to put up points. They pass the ball, they pass the ball, and then they pass the ball more. Um, they just put up four. I think they put up forty-two on Texas A&M two weeks ago. They can score with anybody in the nation. Can they play defense? No, but they can score. So I'm expecting it to be a high-scoring game. I think Kentucky's really trending downwards, though. I'm really like, st- 
I wouldn't even say I'm really starting to worry about them. I've been worried about them for the last two weeks now. They are trending down, and I don't think it stops here. I think the free fall continues, and I think that Mississippi State takes this one 42 to 28. Uh, I'm going with Mississippi State, too. And, you know, we talk about Will Levis and what he brings to the table, but even if he goes tomorrow, which it might, you know, well looks like he's going to go, I don't expect him to be at full strength. And with a foot injury, I think that kind of limits, you know, some of the play calling that we've seen Kentucky roll with with the full strength, Will Levis. Mike Leach loves, you know, just airing that thing out. Kentucky's defense was really, you know, made South Carolina's offense look really good last weekend. So I'm going with Mississippi State 35. I'm going to say 17 for the Wildcats of Kentucky. The disrespect on this podcast. Um yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna ride with Kentucky. They're the home team. I think we gotta we gotta separate. Get right it. week. Get right week. It's yeah, a, right it, week. I think that's the Save biggest the part. I think it's a get right week, especially if Levis is playing. They're not gonna want to mess around. Um, I I don't think it's going to be a blowout either way. You guys kind of had it as a little bit more of a blowout. Um, I think I'm gonna go Kentucky. Let's go uh, 31-24. Kentucky wins at home. Um, moving over, we'll talk a little a little Pac-12 action. Number seven USC travels to number number twenty Utah, and Utah at home last year was absolutely dominant. But this USC team is very very good. What are you guys' thoughts? I mean, USC has probably a top three most talent, top two. I don't even know most talented offenses in the nation, led by Caleb Williams, who I think is the most talented quarterback in the nation. Uh, Travis Dye, Jordan Addison, you know they got heavy hitters out there. They can play. Um, they're going to score. Lincoln Riley's got a good, great offensive system as always. And Utah is coming off of a brutal loss against uh, UCLA where, you know, they were on the road, of course, at UCLA. But that's a tough loss right there. That's a demoralizing one where, you know, Utah is known for their defense. We already remember last year they took care of Oregon's like in such convincing fashion twice with their defense and special teams and running the ball. They couldn't really do that against UCLA, and I don't expect that to continue. I know they're at home. Utah is usually really good at home, but this USC team just feels really, really good. They feel a little special, I would say, and I think USC wins in a shootout. It's gonna, I think it's going to be a pretty close game, 45-38, USC. Yeah, I think Utah has something to prove this week, especially after falling to UCLA last week in the fashion that they did, you know, giving up 42 points. You have to imagine that if UCLA is going to score at will, so will USC. But I think, Danny, you touched on it. The biggest thing I had circle was that last year Utah was a really tough place to play. We saw that um, when Oregon came to town. So I'm going to go with the upset. I'm going to go the Utes. By three, I'm going to go 27-24 Utah. Wow, a little low score there. Um, I, I think that you know Utah is going to try and – figure out something on the defensive side. And I think this has all the making for a high-scoring game, but I think Utah's going to try and be stout up front and, you know, just will themselves to victory. Because I think last week against UCLA, it was kind of a test for them. I want to say so much believing that they can just outscore their opponents, but after UCLA took it to them and, you know, their defense looked terrible, I think Utah's really going to try and limit what USC can do on this talented offensive side of the football. Sure, you can you can say that all you want. You can they're gonna they're gonna really try. That's that's the term that that I'm 
holding on to because I don't think you can shut down this USC offense. Uh, they're the Fordham of the FBS. They're just going to score at will, and they've done it just about every single week outside of that Oregon State week. Um, I do think this is going to be a close game. Um, a road test in Corvallis. Okay, well... Eh, I mean, who have they beat up on this year? Let's be honest. They're, they ran- they they're ranked really so won. high, yes. but they're, they're yes. taking the pants it, off of Arizona State. They're beating the, the brakes off. It's the brand. It's the brand. They haven't it's had the any brand of USC and Lincoln Riley's there, and they get all yeah, these Lincoln Riley's there because he was transfers. shagging the trainer at Oklahoma. Okay, okay, okay. This uh, is a family sponsored. podcast. Um, <laughs> I, I will say, I, oh, I think good. this is going to be this is going to be a close game. Um, I'm, I think I got roughly the same score as Tyler, 45-42, uh, USC wins this one. Bet with Keenan Troy on the under. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, little ACC action. Number 15, NC State, travels to number 18, Syracuse. And I don't really have a great read on this game. I think this is a complete toss-up. I want to hear what you guys to say before I make mine. I mean – at the magical Carrier Dome, as we all know. Um, Syracuse continues their amazing season. They're undefeated. Um, they run the ball extremely well. Sean Tucker is one of the best running backs in college football. Had almost 1,500 yards last year, and he's going to continue that. I just don't really – NC State doesn't impress me. I had a bad read on them coming to the year. I thought they'd take that step. They did They're not. They're the what, top five team in the nation. No, Devin I, Leary's I, I, Heisman candidate. He's, I thought he was a Heisman candidate. No, he's a fraud. He, he didn't take that step that I thought he would just based off last year. The momentum was there. But I don't think – like, NC State, I don't know how they're still ranked. They're hanging in there. I think Syracuse finishes them off. And they win 27-13, run the ball a lot, and establish the ground game and defense. NC State just doesn't have a hold on this game, and I just think that like Sean Tucker runs for 200 yards and two touchdowns type of vibe. Uh, Syracuse is going to just run through them. Sean Tucker's got the funniest social media presence. I don't know if you guys have seen this, but after every game he posts his stats, and he's like, at every, every time it's, you know, ran for, you know, 250, two touchdowns. Big shout-out to my offensive line. Couldn't be here without you guys. Overall good performance for the Orange, 5-0. and So excited for next week. It's a real teammate. Real teammate, really wholesome, really funny. Um, but yeah, I'm going with Tyler here. I don't think the I don't think NC State, you know, they were touted to be potentially best in ACC, didn't take that step. You know, there's been warning signs for this football team, and I think they're only still ranked because their only losses against Clemson, and this is the week that, you know, they're put in the grave. I'm taking the orange. I don't know what the score is going to be, though. <laughs> it's going to be a weird one. <laughs> yeah. Gonna, yeah. I'm going to say 27-17, Syracuse. So I'm going to, once again, go against the grain. Um, I just think – Danny's NC- just trying to get us clicks, Tyler. Yeah, yeah he, really. he doesn't believe these takes. <laughs> yeah. No, I think I think NC State is a better football team. You guys talk about how uh, NC State hasn't played anyone. Syracuse really has not played anyone. They have not been tested at all. I think NC State has been tested a couple times. They had that very, very close game at Eastern Carolina week one that they were able to hang on and win it. Last week against Florida State, they probably could have lost that game too. They've been tested a couple times and have found ways to come back and win it. I think NC State, it's going to be another close one. I'm going to go 21-24. They went on a last-second field goal. Before before Danny finishes, Tyler, notice how who they've been tested at 
against have just been terrible football programs. Like yeah, the Eastern Carolina Pirates. They almost lost the ECU, by the way. I was yeah, watching it, that game. They looked bad. I was on the last. I was Florida, on the week after. Florida that. State was ranked a couple weeks ago, guys. Florida like, State is dog Florida water. State, dude. Yeah, <laughs> they're not good. Still, they're they're an ACC. I'm pretty sure it was at Florida State. Like that's that's a tough matchup, and you can fact check me on that. I'm pretty sure it was at Florida State. I mean, uh, they lost home, <laughs> home against Florida. State. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, regardless, and NC State still wins it, and you know. Syracuse really, really has not played anyone yet. So I think this is just a game that NC State has has a good chance. But another uh, Big 12 matchup. This is a really good one before we get into the the two heavy hitters. Number 8, Oklahoma State will travel to number 13, TCU. And this game intrigues me very, very much. Both teams undefeated. I think this has the biggest implication on, on potential playoffs and definitely Big 12 championship. Honestly, if you look at the stats, they're pretty much the same team. I looked at the ESPN stats. I was like, wow. They both average exactly 46.8 points per game. They get, TCU gives up one less point per game, 23.8 compared to Oklahoma State's 24.8. They both have very similar offensive philosophies, uh, dual threat quarterback, good run game, um, and they're both well coached. This could go either way. I think this is going to be about as toss-up of a game as we've ever seen. I think it's going to be an extremely close game. It's going to come down to the last seconds. Um, I'm going to take TCU, the home team. Um, TCU 38-35 went on a game-winning field goal. I think that this is going to be a game in which both offenses are on display. Tyler, you touched on how much they put up. And, you know, doesn't seem like either team puts up a lot of, you know, allows a lot of points, you know, both in the low 20s. But I think it's the first time this season that, you know, with the exception of TCU taking Kansas, is kind of a tune, taking down Kansas is kind of a tune-up for this one. At home, right in the high of that one, I'm going with the Horn Frogs. I'm going to go 30-23. I don't know how they get to 30, but they do somehow. Math checks out. Uh, missed extra three point. Three touchdowns, three field goals. Nah, I missed extra point. It's college football. <laughs> yeah, fair. Um, I think I'm also going to go with TCU on this one, and, and really the only reason is because they're the home team. I, I agree with you, Tyler. They put up very, very similar numbers across the board. I think both teams are very well coached. Uh, I just am giving the slight edge to the home team. Uh, I'm going to go 35-31 TCU wins. Yeah, it's going to be an amazing game regardless. I know that. Yeah. Um, and then final – or not, two two more, two more, two more. The heavy hitters. Um, the two heavy hitters. Number 10, Penn State will travel to number 5, Michigan. And this, along with that other game, and the game we're going to talk about in a second, has a lot, a lot of implication on what's going to happen for the rest of the year. Uh, who comes out of that Big Ten? Who makes the college football playoffs? This is a very, very intriguing game, but I know I got my pick. Where are you guys at? We're going to start off with the Penn State-Michigan game. I think that um, it's going to be a very Big Ten-esque game where it's going to be run the ball, um, grind it down, play tough defense. Both great run games. Uh, Blake Corbin's one of the best running backs in college football for Michigan, and Nicholas Singleton is looking to be one of the best running backs in the college football for the next two years. He's a freshman. He averages, He has almost 500 yards on the year. But when it comes down to this, which quarterback do I trust more? It's J.J. McCarthy versus Sean Clifford. I'm going to take McCarthy. I'm going to take Michigan 31-17. Took the words right out of my mouth, Tyler, because I was going to say both <laughs> these teams run the football so well. We know how, you know, we've seen it in years past. Big Ten matchups resort to Big Ten football, which is run heavy, a lot of, you know, punts, not a lot of, I don't want to say consistency, but a lot of, you know, 
taking what is given to you. So I say that when everything comes down to it, each team is going to have to rely on a quarterback to make a play. And Sean Clifford is, you know, my roommates that cheer for Penn State agree. He's not that guy. He had that game-winning drive against Purdue, which people thought made him him. He played terrible that he's game. Not. He's a, my friend who's a Penn State fan, he said he's the Jameis Winston of college football. Wrong. Don't disrespect Jameis. Yeah, don't do Jameis dirty like that. But <laughs> I think that, that it's going to be a close game going into the fourth, and McCarthy's going to take over. I'm going to say 17-10 to 10, Michigan wins. Ooh, low scoring. Yeah, I, I don't think – Big Ten football in the big house. You Both these teams like to run the football. Both teams know they like to run the football. It's going to be close, and then McCarthy's going to have a big play over the top to ice this one out for the Wolverines. I agree with both of you. I think Michigan is, is just a better football team on, on both sides of the football. I think all around they're better. Um, and, and Penn State, honestly, at this point might be a little overhyped. Yeah, um, I agree. I do think this is going to be a very, very Big Ten-esque game. Um, and I'm right around with you, Keenan. I got 21-10 to 10, uh, Michigan wins. It's not like a, a crazy win, but they, they're going to handle them, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and finally, the absolute game of the week. Number three, Alabama will travel to number six, Tennessee. And uh, this is a crazy game. Keenan, I'll let you start us off because you're the Tennessee guy. Yeah, so... I think when Tennessee, you know, built all the hype coming into this season, this was the game that they knew would determine what their 2022 looks like. Always was going to be Bama, always was going to be at Neyland. We talked about it when we were recapping their game against LSU. Hooker seems to be that guy. Jabari Small seems to be that guy. Defense, I will say in past games, especially against Florida, they made that Florida offense look really dangerous. A lot of questions will be asked of that secondary if Bryce Young is throwing the football. Will Bryce Young be throwing the football, boys, is the question on everyone's mind. We don't know as of yet. He is game-time decision slash questionable. Um, so that tells me that if, unless there's a definite reason for him not to be playing, he will play. That being said, I think Tennessee – and Neyland are going to be probably the loudest it's been since 98 when they won it all. Part of me wants to be skeptical, but the other part of me, the rational part of me, is riding too much on this rocky top high. I think Tennessee's going to make a statement in the SEC. I think they're going to hold off Bama whether Bryce Young plays or not. I'm going Tennessee 28, Bama 24. So you see these two teams. are One's trending up in a big way, that's Tennessee, and one's trending down in a big way, that's Alabama. Obviously, Bama, the quintessential powerhouse of college football, Nick Saban, the gold standard for the last God knows when, the last decade, and then then some. Um, there's a reason why they're seven-point favorites on the road. They were just the number one team in the nation. You, you could say they're the better team. I don't know if they are right now. Like right now, with Bryce Young, not 100%. Hendon Hooker's playing amazing. Bama's look, they've struggled. And you know what? I'm going to join Keenan on the train. Give me 34-27 Tennessee. Oh, you guys put pressure on. Um, this, is, this is a very, very, very tough decision for me. I think it really, really rides on the, the status of Bryce Young. 
I am also going to go with Tennessee. Ooh, wow. Just because even if Bryce Young plays, how healthy is he? How good is that throwing shoulder? That scares me a lot. And I also think Hendon Hooker is going to really prove why he should be a Heisman candidate. Um, I think this is going to be an incredibly close game. I got 28-27. Tennessee wins it. Um, maybe last second play of the game. They they pull off something crazy. I don't know. But I do think that Tennessee is a very, very good football team. And they're just going to find a way to win it at the end. But, guys, if you got nothing else, I think that's going to wrap it up for us. I am Danny Scott. Thank you to Will Talon, our producer behind the board. For Tyler Who or Tyler Who and Keenan Troy, I'm Danny Scott. Thank you for listening to College Gridiron.